uh, Father, uh, we just come before you and ask you just to speak to us uh, once again in your word. You're always so faithful to uh, God, whether um, we get something specifically for us or uh, we just get the opportunity to hear what your word has to say. Uh, God, I just thank you for laying this on my heart and for bringing uh, these guys out. Uh, I get to spend some time with them and we get to spend time together in your word and just talking about you and the things of you. And I pray that you'd strengthen us all and minister to us all and help us grow. And uh, God, to be ready for your turn and to minister to your body here. We pray that you'd bless Tony as he's away and this church and uh, your people, God. And uh, we love you, Lord. Um, we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I got to share my emails before. Um, it's not. We're not. This is more of a topical study. I'm not just going to go through um, a chapter and read it and expound upon it. But it's something that I think the Lord was relaying on my heart in this past week or two, just kind of considering what to share. Um, I don't know how deep it is going to be. I think it's. It might be kind of basic, and it might be. You know, you might even think, "Oh, this is kind of beneath me," or I've you know been here before, or heard it a thousand times. But I think. Um, you know, I hope we can all get something out of it and just uh, uh, just really take it to heart. Um, if you do have your Bible, you can open up to First Timothy chapter three. Um, I'll probably end up just reading that. There's really a couple of verses I want to look in there, but I think it might be good to hear the whole thing. But the title of uh, you know what I really just kind of want to share from the heart is being grounded in the Word. And if you were to subtitle it like they do all these books these days, it would be the importance of a devotional life and direction from the Lord. Um, you know, why don't we start out and we'll just read the chapter and then uh, uh, we'll just talk about a few things. You know, it says, First uh, Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, Second Timothy 3. Did I say First Timothy? I'm sorry, Second Timothy. It says uh, in verse 1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of the sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away excuse me, by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Johns and Jammeries resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. Verse 10, But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and uh, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And really, I kind of want to focus on those last two um, uh, verses there, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And... Um, and what follows, you know, the rest of it, I think, is just kind of interesting to hear in the background and kind of set the tone for where those verses come. Because I think a lot of times, you know, we hear these verses or, you know, I was listening to uh, the radio a little bit on the way over and he was talking about, I think it was Lloyd Poy, he was talking about Christian sound bites or news sound bites. And he was talking about Twitter and you can't really get a full picture from Twitter. And I think he said uh, about sound bites in Christianity where we say, oh, just believe in Jesus. And it sounds good, but... You know, what's the real context? What does that really look like? And I think when we hear this verse about all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work, that we hear that and we go, oh, yeah, that's a great verse. You know, I might put that on my fridge or, um, you know, have it in my car or on my desktop or something. But in the light of what he read about, you know, in the last days, all these people are going to go astray. There's going to be false teachers, weird stuff going on. The fact that even if you do want to live godly, things are probably going to get rough um, for you. There's going to be persecutions, you know, but you need to stand strong. And the way you do that is by knowing what the Word says. The way you do that is by allowing the Word to correct you, to instruct you, instruct me. Um, but really, you know, what is a devotional life? And I think any one of you could you know, trade places with me uh, and really share in a devotional life. I think any one of you, as I know you guys could share on what, what that means to you. Um, but really, you know, what does it look like? You know, it's really just being devoted. It's really, you know, being in love with the Lord. You know, I was listening to a song, too, on the way over, just about really returning to your first love and loving the Lord and what it was like in the days of our youth. You know, I'm, I'm married now and I have kids, and it's fantastic, but it's a lot harder to make that quiet time with the Lord than it was when I was single. You know, I was single. I'd be home. I had 12 hours, so I had to go to work again, and I didn't really have any obligation. I can hang out with my roommates or I can go in my room. And not that I feel obligated to hang out with uh, Ashley or the kids, but in a sense, I do because I love them and I want to spend time with them and I want to make myself available to them. Uh, because otherwise, if I didn't, when would they see me? With work and work and work, you know? And when else would, would I have time with my kids and need to go to bed early? So finding a time for to be devoted to the Lord is harder. I have to get up a little earlier if I get up or I have to squeeze it in here or I'm up a little bit later and it's, you know, sometimes it's harder and sometimes I'm more tired. But it's so important that we are devoted to the Lord. You know, so what does that look like practically? You know, what does that consist of? Well, the, in our devotional life, we should pray, you know. We should have some uh, method of prayer. And I'll confess to you, my prayer life has struggled in the past year or two. But I feel like the Lord's been rekindling it and, and giving me more time with Him and renewing my passion for prayer. What little passion there is, He's fanning the flame. You know, I'm not sitting up here saying that I'm a prayer warrior, but prayer has always been a consistent part of my devotional life, whether it's been time in the morning or time at night, or maybe I just have time for a quick prayer on the way out the door. And when before I leave in the morning, I'll stand with my family and pray that God would bless them and keep them through the day. But prayer needs to be in there, you know, because if we're not talking to God, well... You know, what does a relationship look like if we don't have a conversation? Um, you know, uh, Bible study and reading should be in there as well. 
Um, you know, I'm not saying you need to pull out all eight concordances at 5 a.m. in the morning, but there should be, uh, you know, Bible study. There should be reading through the Bible. You know, even if it's just reading, you know, a verse a day or a couple verses a day or a chapter a day. You know, every day the Bible should be in our diet, just like we should hopefully brush our teeth at least once a day. Or, you know, I know we all eat at least once a day. Um, but that should be involved in there. But also worship. I think a lot of times we neglect worship. And again, this one is hard for me too because again, it was single. It was easy when I was single to put on some headphones in my room and just worship God for an hour, hour and a half, and not have to worry about if is the baby crying. You know, not have to worry about oh, is is Ashley need help with something. Um, but that should be there too. And I think sometimes we we relegate that to just Sundays and Wednesdays um, or in the car, which it's good to do it in the car. Even, you know, if you're in the shower, put on, uh, put the phone down and have it play music and stuff. And that's good too, you know. But I think that, again, we're still doing something else. We're either scrubbing our hair or we're driving in traffic and trying not to get too mad. So I think it's good. And then that's certainly, you know, at the very least, that's a very good thing. But to also set aside that time to... Just even if it's one song in the morning or one song at night or um, a week or whatever it is that you can make the time to do it to get a pair of headphones or like if you're married or if you have roommates, put something on on the TV or on the radio and worship together. But just have that private time and um, something that you know I'm not I'm not a singer or anything obviously, but. Um, what I used to do when I lived with some friends is I'd have the headphones on and I would worship, but I wouldn't worship out loud. I would say the words and all the worship would basically be going on in my heart where I would sing to the Lord as loud as possible in my heart. And it was the same because I didn't need anyone to know that I was worshiping, just like the Bible talks about when you pray, go in your room and go in your closet and shut the door, you know, that your father sees in secret will reward you openly. I don't mean to throw it out there like this, but really sincerely, you know, have that time in worship when it's just you and the Lord, you and your spouse and the Lord. Um, you know, but additionally, there's other things like journaling. Like, I have a whole thing full of old journals that I used to write in, or notebooks of notes that I would take while reading verses God would give me. Or sometimes when there was a season where it was just really hard to pray, or it would be hard to sit down and pray, where my heart was heavy, something I would write. And it would be easier for me to write, and you wouldn't even be able to understand my handwriting at the end, so I'm not worried about you finding these journals. <laughs> but really, like, you know, God understood, and God could to know I was writing, and that's all that really mattered was, let me just get away to get this out to the Lord. Um, but also devotional books. Guys like John Corson I've been going through lately. Uh, my wife got me that book this year, which is fantastic. Um, I forget what it's called, but if you go to johncorson.com, it's the same one that's up there every day, but just in book form. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has a couple good ones. Oswald Chambers, Greg Laurie, Chuck Smith. I'm sure there's plenty of other guys. You know, you can get commentaries on different books of the Bible that you're going through that I wouldn't say read the Bible and then read the commentary. I say read the Bible, pray about the Bible, consider it, and then kind of maybe later open up the commentary so that you're not, you, you know, we learn to depend on God for our answers as opposed to some other book because then the line starts getting kind of blurred. Well, am I Joseph Smith with the Mormons and I got this other book to interpret the Bible, you know? Um, or things like blueletterbible.org, stuff where you can look it up and get the commentaries, get the meanings for words sometimes, or even just see what it looks like in another translation, translation without owning 20 different Bibles. But I think also meditation. Um, and that's kind of a scary word, and I hesitate to use it in all circles because it carries this connotation, this new age connotation of where I'm going to sit in my room and concentrate on my navel or you know, this new age idea of meditation. But that's not what the Bible says. The, the Bible says it's to meditate on God's word, to think about it. Like David said, when he lay down at night on his bed, he thought about God's word. 
and that's kind of what I was doing this week with what we went through this morning in First uh, Corinthians was just considering it. You know, what is it saying? What is it saying? And as I did that, the Lord would kind of bring out little nuggets of it to me and really kind of show me things that, you know, I probably wouldn't have gotten any other way. You know, they, it's been said that it's like chewing on the cud, like a cow chews some grass, it has a couple stomachs, it swallows the grass, and then it into its mouth and starts chewing it again and swallows it. It's gross. But that's sort of the picture that, when we just chew on this, you know, a baby takes the milk of the word, drinks it down, uh, you know, Jacob spits up a lot. You know, sometimes as new believers, eh, we spit it up again and we don't really understand it or it didn't really get down. But Paul says, desire meat that you might, you know, chew on it and learn from it. Um, and that's all important. All these things are good. You know, even discussing it with your friends, like Ashley shared some stuff with me that uh, the Lord had been showing her in her time in Joshua. And I think it's funny because all you guys are like going through Joshua. Um, and it just ministered to me so much. It was stuff that the Lord was ministering to her, and through her it ministered to me like no one else can minister to me. It's like, friend share with me, I can listen to a message. The Lord ministers to me, and that's obviously the best one. But then when my wife shares things with the Lord with me, it's like, wow, this, this stuff gets parts of my heart that you know speaks to me in different ways I never would have received otherwise. But I think the point of all this and all these you know Christian terms and Christian behaviors, the, the, real, the real killer is consistency is that you know we do it consistently now it doesn't mean again that you spend 18 hours of your day in prayer and then you say sorry boss couldn't make it to work today <laughs> maybe once in a while we gotta do that i don't know take a personal day or something but um that we're just consistent that even if it's only five minutes that's five minutes you know there's days when i totally oversleep and i have to rush to work and then i finally uh, get to read and do a devotional at lunch or something um and that's good but i feel like wow the whole morning was blown. <laughs> you know, I'm totally in a different frame of mind. Like, wow, what did I say to my coworker? You know, uh, but there's other days when I just spend that few minutes with the Lord. The commute is a little less stressful, and that's for me. It's like it's kind of a, a cheat for me. You know, I've had to commute to Jersey for the better part of the past 10, 11 years, an hour each way, and it's I've got to listen to so many messages, so many messages that it's I almost feel like it was like my Bible college. Like I'm no expert, but. <laughs> Every day, listen to two, three messages, pastor's perspective at time in worship, and then get really convicted because I shouldn't be yelling at this guy while I'm listening. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but sincerely, like it's really forced me to have extra time in messages. You know, listen to teachings throughout the week. You know, not that that should replace our own time because when it does, you can tell it gets real dry. It's like I'm, you just know you're missing something when you're depending on someone else to feed the word to you as opposed to yourself. And, and you guys know this, but. That brings me to the next point: is what is the rhema word? You know that term gets thrown around, and you know I even had to look it up. Like, well, where exactly is this? I know what it is, but where is it? And really, it comes from the two Greek words for scripture in the New Testament, or the word in the New Testament. That is logos and rhema. And logos, you know, we're going to get through the Greek and just ignore the Greek. But what it is, it's it's when it is referring to Jesus, you know, or the entire council of the Bible. You know exactly what it says it means. You know, when we read the Ten Commandments, it says, Thou shalt not kill. It means, Thou shalt not kill. When Jesus said that, I am the bread of life, you know, it means, well, He's the one we need to turn to to, to receive nourishment in life. It's what it says is what it says. The plain meaning is the plain meaning because God's not here to confuse us. He just wants to hang out with us and talk to us. And so that's the Logos. What does the Bible say? And what does the Bible say about the Bible? Um, 
But rhema is the word that means kind of a spoken word. It's actually like an utterance, like um, really more what God is speaking into your life through the Logos, um, where you're reading and you're understanding the word, and, or maybe you're not understanding it, but you're still reading it, and you're getting through it, and you're seeking the Lord on it. But then all of a sudden, something sticks out. Maybe you're going through a struggle at work. Maybe you've been praying about something. And maybe it's not as, like a, as bright as a spotlight coming out of the Bible, but it goes, oh, you know, all right, maybe I shouldn't be involved in this relationship with this person I'm with, or maybe I shouldn't, you know, be doing this, or maybe I need to be evangelizing, or, you know, maybe it's just a little bit brighter than it normally would be, and it's clear instruction, you know. That's why I love going, I'll get to it in a bit, but I love going through Proverbs, because a lot of it's like, you know, very, hey, don't do this, do this, say, pay attention to the word, you know, stuff that you can really kind of chew on and really kind of consider. Um, but also, Rhema can kind of be even more direct, where the Lord will give you direction through it and counsel through it. Because we can read through the whole logos of the word and say, does that mean I need to leave Egypt? <laughs> you know, does that mean I need to, to go down to Caesarea Philippi, and, you know, just like the disciples went down? No, God's not asking you to do that. But when Rhema comes, like, you know, for, you know, for example, I'll share with you guys, obviously it was a Rhema word that the Lord said, Jesus went to Bethsaida. And right away, I just knew go to Bethesda, and I didn't want to believe it, and I thought it was a pizza, and we prayed about it for a while, and sought the Lord on it, and it could still be the pizza, it was a really good pizza, but I just knew, I knew that I knew it was for me, and I can't explain it other than that, it wasn't like the door opened up, Jesus poked his head in and said, hey, <laughs> but it was, God give me direction, that's happened plenty of times, you know, uh, several times I prayed about, Lord, where do you want me to be, where do you want me to go, either when I was going through a hard time, or I was going through a good time, and I was just trying to do a heart check, where God's giving me words about staying in Goshen, or not to go anywhere, or things like that, or not to be involved with somebody, or to uh, marry my wife, you know, it's like stuff that came out of the Word. But I think that there's an importance to both of these. You know, you can't really have one without the other. You know, all logos and no rhema make John a dull boy. You know, if we have all head knowledge and no heart knowledge, where are we going to be? There's not going to be any specific plan for our lives. We're going to be very dry as people. We're going to be very legalistic. We're going to be very, this is what the Bible says, and I have no idea what it means for my life, but I know what the Bible says, so I'm going to go do my own plan for my life, even though I know what the Bible says. And there's really going to be a disconnect there. But I would argue that this is more important, that it's more important to know what the Bible says than to seek for what the Bible says specifically to me. Because, you know, Jesus said, don't seek after signs and wonders, just follow him. And it's as simple as just, let me just know what the Bible says. If I don't know what the Bible says, well, that's the first thing that God's speaking to me. Know what the Bible says. Um, and like I said this morning, if it doesn't make sense, keep reading. If you get to the end, start over. Just keep, you know, keep going. That's... That's life. I mean, we're, you know, there's there's a lot of pages in here, but if you read it, you'll get through it, and you know, you can even do it in a year, but you'll get through it within a couple of years if you're consistent. Um, but like I said, you know, we can't know what God is saying until we know what He said. You know, if God has said all this stuff in the Bible and we don't know what the Bible says, how are we going to know what's right and wrong? How are we going to know what he thinks about marriage? How are we going to know what he even thinks about worship or what church will look like if we're not reading the Bible? And that's what kind of scares me about certain parts of the church these days is that they, it's like if the things are super clear if they would just read the scripture. Oh, well, gifts need to be practiced in order. Oh, you're not supposed to do tongues during service. Oh, homosexuality is wrong. You know, just to pick on these hot bud ones that we hear about all the time. 
but even smaller, even smaller things. I think we're going to see in a minute. There's more that concerns me about the modern church than just the, these things. It's deeper. But Rama, if we have all Rama, we can twist it to mean whatever you want it to mean. You know, James shared with me something that Drew shared with me the other day. You know that you know we have to be careful when we seek the Lord's word because we can twist it to mean whatever we want it to mean. You know, when God does give us a Rama word, like you know, has happened in my life, and I'm sure has happened in your guys' life, um, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes we need to be careful. You know, we need to pray. We need to consider it. We need to. Just keep considering, keep reading, and see if God would say the same thing to us. See if it would come out in other ways through the teachings we're listening to. Or a lot of times, my devotional, which I'll read after the Bible, will bring a new light on what I read in the Bible, and it just kind of confirms what God was already speaking to me, or what Tony will share, or other people will share. It's like there's a lot of confirmation. Again, God does not want us to be scared or confused, but He really wants to confirm us along the way. But again, if, if we don't know the full counsel of God, we get to make up doctrines or we go on emotional skews where we take a scripture out of context and we begin to go down some strange path. Well, the Lord told me this. Well, really? Because I don't see it playing out like that in the Bible or, you know, or it just something seems off about it. You know, Acts twenty twenty seven says, uh, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. You know, and that's what I love about verse-by-verse -verse teaching is that, you know, it's kind of, I'm kind of breaking the rules, I'm doing topical here, but is that I can't really pick up on my pet doctrines. You know, I have to kind of go through the whole world, word, and if it talks about wearing hats, that's what we're talking about. Um, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, like we read before, you know, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly equipped for every good work and, and we need to be complete we need to be complete we're not complete unless we know what the Bible says and even once we know what the whole Bible says we still need to to really know what it says you know we need to know what the entire Bible says you know and the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible it's like Revelation will be very confusing and it kind of is because it's prophetic and it uses a lot of prophetic language but it explains a lot of itself as you read through it so yeah I don't fully understand it I don't claim to you know, partially fully understand it, so to speak. But, you know, God doesn't want us to go and go, I, I'm never going to understand that, so let me just skip over it. God says, no, I want you to understand what the Bible says. I've written the whole thing and given it to you that you might understand it. The things that you can't understand, I didn't include it there. You know, astrophysics is, you know, there's no book on that in here. But people come up with all sorts of weird ideas when they don't hold Scripture in light of other Scripture. You know, just look around us. You know, someone who knows a little bit of the Bible but doesn't know the whole Bible, or maybe knows a little bit of the Bible and knows, doesn't know the Lord, it says, don't judge me, bro. The Bible says, don't judge me. Well, it says that, but it doesn't really mean that. Um, you know, that's why we need to pray and seek God on what book to do next. Um, you know, a good start would be, you know, to go through the Gospels, um, you know, for a new believer. Like Gospel of John is something I recommend to new believers. It's something that I went through as a new believer. It's like, just, you just really get a sense of God's love. Um, but, uh, Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes is also a real good place to be in the morning. I think something that I've gone through multiple times um, over you know the time that I've been saved. Um, just read through the Psalms, read a Psalm a day, maybe read two, maybe read three, depending. And then when Psalms are done, read through Proverbs. Proverbs are done, read through Ecclesiastes, then go back and start over. And recently, the Lord had me go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the morning, and it was a nice refresher. 
because I had gone through these other ones recently a few times, and it was just starting to be rote, where I could read through it and almost, not memorize it, but I could get through it and not really pay attention to it. And uh, so it was real refreshing to go through the Gospels. got a lot through that. But I, when that was over, I was like, all right, Lord, where do I go now? And I just felt led to go back to Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes to go back through that. And um, I'm actually in, I don't think, I don't remember if I did. No, I didn't do Psalms. I'm in Proverbs now. Um, but there was a while when I didn't like the Psalms. I'd go through it and like, I can't wait until this is over. Man, I'm only at 43. <laughs> you know, I really enjoy Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. You know, I love Solomon's just to the point. And, you know, he's got that, he just doesn't mess around. Um, but there was a real, there was a season in my life that was, uh, a couple seasons in my life that have been really hard. And one of them, years ago, um, the Lord had me go through Psalms, and I finally kind of fell in love with the Psalms. I never really, like, didn't like them, but they have to go through them all the time. And it was like every, almost every day, it was like Psalm after Psalm after Psalm. It was just totally ministering to me and encouraging me and getting me through and just really helped me relate to the Lord. Even if I wasn't going through the exact same thing, it was just, oh, man, okay, things are going to be okay. But again, I think that we need to have morning and evening time. You know, there's a devotional called morning and evening. Um, but that we would have that time with the Lord. You know, as in the Garden of Eden, there was a cool of the day. That before the day starts, as soon as I wake up, or as soon as me wakes me up, you know, um, just to say a quick prayer, even before my feet hit the ground or before I run off to do whatever, just spend a, a second in prayer and say, you know, good morning, Lord, because I find if I don't, Immediately, my heart is somewhere else. Immediately, I'm running around and busy. But if I force myself to sit down, it's just refreshing. And I find that the Lord's there. Sometimes the Lord will wake me up. And sometimes I'll even listen. But that should be there at night, too, you know, before you go to bed. Uh, just spend a little bit of time with the Lord. And you find that I find that I'm refreshed and I can sleep. And if I don't do that, a lot of times I can't sleep. Or, you know, a lot of times the Lord, you know, if I have to pray about something and I haven't been praying about it, I won't be able to sleep. And then I'll get up and be forced to pray about it in a sense. And then it's it's good, you know. Things are better, but we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because there's other times when it's not the early morning or not the evening. It could be lunchtime or it could be at home. Maybe want to put on a movie or something, and just the Holy Spirit will kind of tug on our hearts and say, "Hey, go read. You know, you don't need to watch this now. Go come read. You know, like, oh, uh, one more episode. You know." But John 14:26 says, "But the Helper." The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Jesus said that. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that Jesus said to us. Jesus said that, guys. You know, a lot of times I think we're scared of the Holy Spirit or don't think that he's going to talk to us, you know, myself included. Like, why would... Why does God even love me? You know, it's like, you know, I'm sure he's got plenty of other people he could love and, and use, and yet... You know, he loves me, and that's like, he wants to spend time with me. There's like, I think sometimes this personal disconnect. I was driving home today, actually, and it just occurred to me, like, yeah, I have a relationship with Jesus, but wait a minute. It's the same guy that's in this book. I know this man. I love this man. He talks to me, you know, not like in a crazy way, but really, it's, it's this guy that we read about. But that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us. You know, John says in the epistle, 1 John 2.27, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it, as it has taught you, you will abide in him. You know, God will teach you. You know, yeah, it's good to, to come together in church like this. It's good to listen to messages. It's good to get commentary. good to ask friends, you know, what they think. 
but really, the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to teach us. And not to say, well, I don't need to listen to anybody. And the Holy Spirit teaches me, no. But really, you know, if we're concerned about something here, we need to know what the Bible says. We have total access to God. We say, God, would you please just teach me something? Anything? And Okay, I didn't hear from you today, but I'm going to keep coming, and I'm going to keep asking, and keep knocking, like Jesus said, and it says in the Bible, to keep seeking wisdom. You know, because the same Spirit who teaches the Bible teacher is the one teaching you. If you got anything out of this, if I get anything, anything out of this, it's not because I cooked it up. You know, honestly, it was just something that was on my heart, and I spent a little time together putting it together before. I'm just just to try and, try and share it, hopefully, effectively and accurately. But if we get anything out of this, it's because God's doing it. You know, if you get if you get a note and you write a note down in a message, it's well, the pastor didn't say write this down. Sometimes they do, but really, it was God who was showing you something. You know, but the, another key I think is don't give up. Don't give up. You know, there's there's dry seasons when you're in the Word and you're praying and you're not like sinning or anything, where God's like. You gotta come confess it to me first, <laughs> but this is dry. Where oh, I haven't heard from the Lord in a while, but I know He's there, but it's just dry. And that can be all sorts of things. But I think one of the most comforting part about that is that you know it really is a walk with the Lord. That we go through mountains, we go through valleys, we go through wilderness. You know, I used to hike a lot, and I wish I should probably start up again, but. Um, you know, you walk sometimes it's a hard hill, and sometimes it's not a hard hill. Sometimes it's a beautiful little meadow. Sometimes it's a dirty old street. You know, but we're walking through a world. You know, we walk through a physical world every day. But as we walk through this physical world, we're also in a spiritual world where everything might look green around me while I'm in a very rich neighborhood, but spiritually, maybe it's a desert. Maybe there's no good church. Maybe there's no other believers, and it's just this dry land. In the same way in our, in our own personal time, maybe just in our life, we're in a dry season. Maybe we're in a rough season, or maybe we're in a good season. You know, and I've been, it's been said that it's like, you know, the mountain top is very small, and then you have this long hill to go down, and then there's this big old valley, and then you go up another tough hill, and then, oh, great, mountaintop experience, then, oh, you know, it's, it, there's different seasons, and to not be discouraged by that, because we're the wilderness, guys, we're sojourning, we're pilgrims, this isn't our home, we gotta keep going forward, keep marching on, you know, we, we're not home yet, so sometimes, it's going to be rough. It's like when you take a road trip, and you're like, man, there's nothing around for miles, and you just want to get to a rest stop, you know, just let me get a coffee, and there's no coffee, and, <laughs> you know, it's like sometimes it's like that when we walk with the Lord. But kind of related to that, there's also, you know, the roller coaster, you know. Someone, uh, Pastor Owen actually said to me early on in my walk, uh, I don't remember what he said, but just that, you know, I was kind of a roller coaster. You know, I'd be up one day, down another day, up one day, down another day. And I think, um, you know, part of that in our life is kind of natural. Our emotions are, in a sense, chemicals and kind of related to things that we go through depending on where we're looking. But when we're, when we're ruled by our emotions, when we're uh, letting the place that we're walking, whether it's a wilderness or a good season, determine our spiritual attitude or determine our outlook, well, we can be very up one day and very down one day. God loves me, and I'm going to pray and worship, and then, oh, things are so hard, I'm not going to do anything. And, oh, yeah. You know, up and down, up and down, up and down. And, well, that's we all go through those times. It's nothing to feel condemned about. It's natural. Um, but really, the uh, part of growing and maturing is, well, despite, despite of where I am on this ride, well, my outlook is going to be the same. You know, 
Ecclesiastes talked about there being a time and a season for everything, for weeping and for laughing and for death and for life. You know, that when we realize that there are seasons for everything, well, it's okay if I'm sad because it's just a season I'm in. I don't need to let it affect my walk. Or it's okay if things are going good because I know that things are going to be tough pretty soon. You know, but just to have that even keel. But part of that is to endure hardship. To don't go until you know. Don't be moved by feelings. And this is that big problem that I was talking about before that I see a lot in the church. I've seen a lot, a lot of things that hit very close to home. Is that we don't endure hardship. That when hard times come, we find every reason to go somewhere else. Whether it's work, whether it's a relationship, whether it's even church or ministry or whatever it is. Things are hard. Someone said, I don't like... So I'm going to go somewhere else. And, or the, kind of the flip side of that is, well, I feel like the Lord is telling me to do this. Or I feel like I should go do this. Or I feel, feel, feel. When, when, when someone's sharing that with me, that's like flags go up. Not that they're heretical or in sin, but, well, if all you're telling me is how you're feeling, what has the Lord been showing you? Well, I feel like the Lord has been doing this. Well, maybe He is. But when he is, he's always going to back it up with his word. He's always going to confirm it with his word. And not to be dogmatic and legalistic. You know, you have to have a word about doing everything. You know, did God tell you to go to Walmart? You know, <laughs> no. But really, if, if the Bible says our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things, and only God can know them, and that the Bible is a two-edged sword, the word is a two-edged sword that can divide between bone and marrow, soul and spirit, and show us where we're right and where we're wrong and what's right and what's wrong. Well, if we're feeling something and the Word hasn't shown us something, well, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. You know, there was a, a, an interesting season with a lot of different things going on. And I remember praying about the things that were going on. And I remember the Lord really saying to me, be very careful. To walk very carefully. It was kind of this picture of, um, you know, like a cliffside, and maybe there's a little bit of this thing jetting out that you can kind of walk on. Maybe you gotta kind of got about one foot in front of the other and go across. Where if I step one, you know, one little bit in the wrong direction, I would fall off. Or you know, and there's like a storm. You know, not to be too graphic about it, but I, that's kind of the picture I got. Was that's kind of what was going on spiritually? Is that you know, with the situation going on, I didn't know all the details. Um, I would never know all the details. But to be very careful with the way things look, to walk very slowly, to not make any rash judgments, to not say, oh, this person didn't text me back, or this was going on, and say, and begin to extrapolate it and say, oh, something must be going on, you know? But to really take it slow and to really pray about everything and not just react off the cuff like I might in another situation, which may have been right to do in another situation, but because this was a very dangerous time to walk very slowly and very carefully. Because if I... If I because it would have been based on feelings. It would have been, I feel like this is wrong. I feel like this is right. I feel like this should be done this way, etc., etc. And then, then what? Then I'm outside of God's will. Then I'm off on my own thing. Then I'm tumbling off the cliff. And how many other people are going to suffer? You know, the Bible says that no man's an island unto himself. That when we begin to go a certain direction or behave a certain way, whether it's good or bad, it affects a lot of people, whether we like it or not. And there's no way to stop that because that's just the way it is. But really, we need to keep going. Keep going. If we've sinned or if we've screwed up, 
we need to keep going. And I think that that was a large part of my roller coaster. Would especially in early in my walk when I'd be, you know, things would be going great. We were spending plenty of devotional time, telling my friends, ministering, and then I would blow it somehow, and I would just be depressed and not want to do any of those things. And then enough time would pass where. You know, my righteousness meter would go back up because apparently time wipes out sin. You know, no, <laughs> Jesus does. So then I'd be okay again. Then oh, I'd screw up again, and then solely have to let the the clock tick so that my righteousness, in a sense, in my mind, would build back up again. But that's works. That's the law. And the thing is with grace is that well, we screw up. Okay, get back up. Screw up? Okay, get back up. All right, you gotta stop doing this. Otherwise, you know. All right, you gotta stop. I'm still with you, but you know, like, just keep going. You know, and that's the, that's the point is to keep going. That's the other thing that I see is that people don't keep going. They just give up. You know, for one reason or another. Maybe they got burned. Maybe there's, a, you know, in a sense, almost a valid reason. You know, a couple months ago, I was like, Lord, I am sick of Christianity. I am, you know, even like now, it's like, man, like. Lord, can I do this for the rest of my life? You know, am I going to be able to do this? Like, it's got to be you. Because we're people and we're all messed up and we screw up and it's not always a fun party uh, like it can be um, early on. But to keep going. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You know, wisdom is correct application of knowledge. So we need to live out the logos but we need to practically apply it. Well, so when we spend time in the Word, when we hear a message, well, how does this apply to my life? Lord, what would this apply to my life? Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm not going to kill today, Lord. Great. <laughs> you know? But really, how, how do we apply it? And not to get too crazy with that, but sometimes the rhema will guide us. Sometimes the Logos kind of instructs us and the Rhema kind of guides us. Well, the Bible says that we need to be live at peace with all men. Okay, so let me try and be at peace with the people I work with. Let me try not to get fights with um, whoever. Let me try and be kind to those who may not like me. Let me apply that out practically. It's not Rhema, that's Logos. That's what the Bible says, so let's obey that. And sometimes when we disobey that, we expect a Rhema word to get us out of it. And God's like, no, you just need to go and do what I've already said. But Rama will always agree with what's already been said. You know, God's never going to speak to you in prayer or through a message or through uh, your own devotional time and have it disagree with something that He's already said. There's not going to be any new revelation. You know, oh, I've got this new book that I'm going to write down and we can only understand the Bible because God gave me this new revelation. No, but and sometimes when that would come to us, we would know it right away. But other times we go, oh, God wants me to quit my job <laughs> and just sit around. Well, does He? Maybe. I mean, to be honest with you, that's kind of the point I'm at. Like, Lord's really challenging me, you know, am I trusting in finding a job or am I just trusting that it's time to go? And not that, and the reason why I'm not rushing ahead, I might have gone much faster if uh, I didn't have a family, and that's not necessarily a good thing, is that, you know, I didn't really have as much responsibility. And now it's like, well, let me make sure I'm really living this out the way God wants me to live it out. You know, let me make sure I'm not making a rash decision because it affects so many other people. Um, especially in ministry, you know, and it, a whole church can get messed up because what one person does, what one person does, and that's sobering. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and we're going to wrap up here in a minute, I don't want to keep you too late, but it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your path. And sometimes when we don't know what to do, and maybe we don't have a direct word, that we just need to trust in the Lord with all our heart. Okay, Lord, I don't know, but you know. 
And so I'm going to keep going, and you know, if I begin to step in the wrong way as I slowly step out, well, please show me. And he will. He will. It's when we run ahead or we lag behind too far is when we get in trouble. It's like we just need to keep walking. You know, if we stand still, you can't steer a car. You know, you ever try and steer a car without power steering when it's not moving? It's like, or especially one that has power steering and the power steering is broken? Forget it. You know, but if you're moving, it's a little bit easier. That's the same way with our lives. Like, if we would just pray and get up and walk and live out our day and let the Lord guide our steps, He'll guide us. And maybe we just keep doing what we're doing for 20 years. Maybe that's all the Lord has for us. And, well, great. The Lord has something for me. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to. You know, I can live out my, my life, like the Bible says, to aspire to live a quiet life, to work, work with your hands, aspire to do these simple things. Like, I admire these guys. Like, I was talking to some friends we used to rent from the other night, and he owns his own business, and they, you know, just, they have, like, a, some property, and they also bought some other property, you know, renting it out to people who need places to live. And I admire that. It's like, that's a quiet life. You know, there's this believer I watch on YouTube that uh, he get, he's like a Forest Service guy, and he and his family decided to move out to the country a few years ago and give up modern modern living sets. Like, not be Amish, but they have a house, and they live a quiet life, and they spend time with each other, and he works as a firefighter in the Forest Service and does these things, but... It's like, man, just that's what we should aspire to. Not being some famous evangelist or teacher or whatever, but just let me just live a quiet life. And how does that look, Lord? And it's just, it's so restful in that way. But really, the promises for, are for us. And I think that's the next thing is that in our in our devotional life, in our just really life with the Lord, you know, our life with the Lord just should be devotional. You know, I don't, I hate calling it a devotional in a sense because. It's kind of it brings up this mind of let me get a little you know daily bread and this is my walk with the Lord but really it's just let's just get to know God and each other and and, and things are always always I find way more simple than I imagine them to be or that I make them out to be and I think part of the praying and waiting when God does speak to us or we are going through a situation is just realizing how simple it is and God showing us how simple the solution is. Like when he says something to us, sometimes I'm like, how does this work out? I don't know how this works out. And the more I just pray and wait on it and God shows me and then I can step out in it, uh, it really was that simple. He really did just want me to go share with this person or just go apply for a job or whatever it is. It really is simple a lot of the times. You know, but that the promises for us that with that we would be expectant. You know, Isaiah 64.4, this is a verse that... Um, has just really ministered to me over the past few years. It says, for, the sin, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. That God wants to work for us. God wants to act on our behalf. If we would just wait for him to do it. If we would just say, yeah, God, this situation is hard and I want to do this, but what do you want to do? Are you going to defend me in this situation? Are you going to provide for me a situation or am I going to flush out and run ahead of you and do it my own way because I don't want to wait for you? God wants to work for us. If we would just wait, I think nine times out of ten our problems would be solved if we just prayed and waited and committed our ways to the Lord. Not that we would, you know, Lord, I need a job and we just pray for a year. Lord, I need a job I'm going to go look now. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like that we would not really run ahead, that we would just learn to trust Him. And that's, I think that's the biggest part the hardest part sometimes is just learning to trust Him. I think, you know, there's been some verses that I'll share with you. Uh, Genesis 50.20 was... Um, I'm just going to read it. I didn't write it down. 
you know, when I first got saved, and you guys know my parents divorced when I was a kid, and there was a lot of bitterness there. And, you know, God's done a, a lot of miracles in my, in my family by drawing us back together, and He still is, and drawing my family to Him, you know, through hard circumstances. And uh, it's wonderful. But it says, this is Joseph saying to his family, He says, I'm going to go back to. Uh, yeah, verse 19, Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in the place of God. I remember this verse 20, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. That Joseph was at a point where he knew that his brothers sold him into slavery, he went through all those years, that God would bring him into a place of power, that he might save many people by saving up the food and bringing his family into the land. And Joseph was in a good place, and that's Logos. But Ramos, for me, like, wow, like, all right, God allowed all these things to happen to my family, but He meant it for good that my family would come to know Him, that I would come to know Him, and that others might too. Um, other things like that, like stuff in Jeremiah that I always kind of thought maybe were for me, but oh no, that's way too good for me. I see the Lord beginning to play out in my life now. Um, Isaiah or Philemon. Uh, I remember being saved only a few months and reading through Philemon, and it talks about the slave Onesimus, who it says that maybe Onesimus went away for a little while, that you could have him forever. And I felt the Lord just like giving that to me, like maybe that's why I went away. Maybe, you know, I didn't really know. I knew the Lord kind of as a kid, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. And I went my own, did my own thing in high school and I ruined a lot of things, but God's got me now. And it's like I've gone through hard seasons, and, you know, really, I remember one of my cries was just. <laughs> where else am I going to go? Not even out of like, Lord, where else am I going to go? I just know how great you are, but God, my whole life is a mess. My current life is a mess. I can't go back to the world because I know how bad it is and how good you are, but where else am I going to go, Lord? What else can I do but submit to what you're going to do in my life? And it's not even pat myself on the back. It was just, I'm in a corner and I know that I know what the truth is. And I think that that's the case. When we know what the Bible says, we go, man, I've got no place else to go. Yeah, this is hard. But I got no place else to go. And I know that even if I go to another church, or I move across the country, or I get a job here, or go do what I wanted to do when I was a kid, that, well, I know it's never going to be as good as what God has for me, even if this season is harder. Because if, if we don't submit to what God has in our lives now, if we go run away, kind of like Jonah, whether it's in a big thing or a little thing, well, this is still God's perfect will for my life. And if we really desire that, well... I know that anywhere else I'm not going to achieve that. And then if one day I decide I want it, I'm going to have to come all the way back and go through a lot of harder things. Harder things. So, you know, really it's about intimate words from God. You know, God's spoken to me in prayer before. And, you know, I've been saying that a lot lately, and I know it sounds weird, and it is, it is kind of weird. And I have to be very careful in saying that for two reasons. One, because I don't want to give anyone the wrong impression or lead anyone astray. But also for myself, if I start saying that a lot, it, it can be very tempting to go, oh, God speaks to me all the time. He doesn't speak to you. Like, I must be the next, you know, Jehovah's Witness, you know? <laughs> Really though, but like for Maryland, he confirmed a lot of things in prayer. Like we're going down and driving, and wow. Or even with Jacob and Mia, you know, I'm in the waiting room for Mia. Wait, you know, they're drugging Ashley up so they can cut her open and take Mia out. And I'm in the the waiting room, kind of. It's it wasn't really a waiting room. It's where they're going to bring her recovery room, I guess. But I'm waiting in there, and then they were going to call me in, and I'm just praying, and um, I just get this overwhelming sense that it's a girl. Like where I just want to. Cry and I'm like, oh Lord, forgive me. Like, forgive me. It's just my emotion. 
And then we get in there, and it was a girl. Wow. All right, Lord. And then I'm like, all right, you did it once before. So Jacob's coming, and I'm in the waiting room or the recovery room again, just by myself. Just sent a quick prayer, and the Lord confirmed to me that it was Jacob and that it was a boy. And I was like, all right, let's go. And then I went in there, and they were like, so what do you think it is? I was like, I know what it is. <laughs> and they were like, so why don't you tell us? I was like, no. Because <laughs> if I'm wrong, I don't want to walk in there. If it was just me being no sleep, you know, I don't want to. But I knew. And then... I was disappointed that the doctor was like, it's a boy, like, didn't let me look, but I knew. I knew that I knew, and it's the same. It's like, all right, like, God wants to do that, and it's not like I'm special. It's just, all right, God, I know you gave me this kid, so you've got a name for them. You've got a plan for them. Just clue me in so I don't name them Aloysius, <laughs> unless their name is supposed to be Aloysius. But seriously, like... God is yeah, Bentley. God, God is very God is very simple. He wants to have this intimacy with us and go through our daily lives with us. And I don't want to over spiritualize it because it's very easy to do that. You know, um, I'm just going to share a, um, a little bit with you. You know, um, years ago the Lord gave me the verse uh, in John about you know uh, feeding my sheep. And you know, I was like, "Oh, okay." And I thought that that would, was going to play out a certain way in my life, and it didn't at the time. And then I went astray, and God had to bring me back. I didn't know if it would ever play out in my life, and yet here I am. You know, here I am by the grace of God. That when God speaks something to you, if we're just willing to seek Him, He's willing to make it happen. Because if God said it, well, God's going to do it. Like I'm not going to Maryland to start a church. I the Lord is doing something down there. He's been doing something down there. And a friend said to me earlier, uh, well, maybe someone else was disobedient. And maybe, you know, you know, you're the guy. Not that, you know, obviously it's like in anything God calls us to do, he, we're the one he's chosen, you know. But obviously there's been 2,000 years of Christianity. Well, why isn't something going on there already? Well, maybe it just wasn't time yet. And maybe... God was, you know, this was something that the Lord always had for me, or maybe, and maybe in that case, maybe someone else was obedient or wasn't obedient. You know, it's like, just really, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Because if God's called us, He's calling us. He's already doing it. He's already there. The Bible says, if He called us, He's the one that's going to fulfill it. But that other people may confirm it. You know, I remember um, some friends, uh, friends saying to me on the way to the city when Ashley and I first got married, um, he said some things to us. He's like, you know, I think it might be. Maybe it's too soon to say this, but he says some things, and it all lines up with what's going on in our life right now. And it's like, all right, Lord, we were both like, Ash and I were like, <laughs> we just got married. <laughs> we're going on our honeymoon, you know. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. But sometimes that'll happen. Someone will have a word for you. But the important thing is, as we get to the close here, is that you know we need to be led by the Spirit in all this, whether we're in the Word, or in the devotional, or doing whatever, is that we're seeking God in it. That we're not doing it to check off a box, but that we're allowing our lives to be led by the Spirit. You know, John 3, 8 says, Jesus says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Well, when God leads you, it's like sometimes you never expect to go there, and you have no idea why this is even going on. But God's calling you to go somewhere. And, and you look back on your life since being saved, and you go, Wow. Wow, I never would imagine in a million years that any of those things would have happened or that I would be where I, where I am today. And I'm sure all of us can say that. You know, this is not the plan that we had for our lives. And, and it's so much better. It's so much better. You know, 
that is this idea of tent dwelling, being ready to go. That because we're sojourners, because we're pilgrims on this on this land in enemy territory, that we can't really put our roots down too much. Yeah, we need to aspire to live a quiet life, and and you know, something wrong with owning a home or doing any, or living in one place your entire life. That's not what I'm saying. But that really, that our attachment should not be to this world. It should be to the next one that's coming. This one is fleeting. The next one's eternal. And so, if this one's fleeting, and God's got a greater home for us, well. Let's be ready to go. Let's be packed up spiritually in a sense at any moment. All right, Lord, do you want to do this with my life? All right, let's do it. And that's much easier to say than it is to do, I think. But Jesus said in John 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Sean Hannity knows that as well. But in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? You know, he didn't leave his GPS coordinates or anything. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that might have been the first you know, rhema word for me to be super spiritual, but that's like, that's my life verse, you know, if you want to Christianize it, that that verse, if I didn't have any other Bible, I could live off of that verse. I don't want to, I want the whole Bible, but what I'm saying is, John 14, 6 says that Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And for me, that sums up my salvation. And I'm sure it does for a lot of people, and I'm sure it does for you too, even if it's not the verse that you cling to. Because for me, I was very lost. I didn't know which way to go. I didn't know what truth was. And my life was not a life that I wish upon anyone. And it even wasn't that bad relatively compared to a lot of people. But for me, it's like, man, Jesus is the only way for me to go. If I want to know who, what truth is, I need to go to Jesus. I, and I know the Bible has truth in it. And if I want to have real life, I need to have the life that God has for me. You know, I don't want to settle for anything less, and I do so often. I'm not sitting up here saying that I've never settled for anything less, or I never will, and that I live perfectly. No, but... I know that that's the way to go. And that the only way to go through that is through Jesus. Um, and, you know, the, I think the whole point of all of this is that this is not our home. You know, we are to live for the next life. Um, and that really begins by being grounded in the Word, knowing what the Bible says, and being led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit. Because the point of all this is not to be a smarter Bible person, is not to be um, a more accomplished, quote-unquote, Christian, None of that matters to God. You get to heaven and never have learned how to read and only know that Jesus loves you because the Bible tells you so and you'd be set for eternity because you knew Jesus. But the point of all this is that Jesus has a place for us and we're going someplace. And so as we walk out our lives and live our lives, you know, that we need to keep that in mind. That as hard as it is or as fun as it is, that this is not our final resting place. That He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life, and if we would just follow Him, we'll get there. And that's the whole point. He wants us to get there. And we need to continue. We need to endure to get there. The way is narrow that leads to life, but the way is broad that leads to destruction. That Sometimes there is only one decision. There's a song that I love. Um, it says, basically, sometimes I wish there was more than one way. I know in my life that's true. Sometimes, man, Lord, I wish that there was another way to get through this situation because I know the right thing to do and I don't want to do it. But I know this is the best thing for me because you have it for me. And this is the way, not to gain my salvation, but that I might be better prepared for the next life and that I might live that life now. Um, amen? Amen.
Uh, Father, we just uh, God, we thank you that you are God, and that Jesus, you're the same one that we're talking to now that was in the Bible, that's in heaven. And God, you hear us not because we've done anything special, but because Jesus, you've done everything for us. And God, you just want us to make it make it home. It's like we're a bunch of lost sheep who hear the voice of their shepherd, and as the word says and song say that. One day we'll look upon the face of the one of the voice we've heard and followed all our lives. And God, that's what you want. You're calling us home, and that all of this is calling us home and others home, and help us to listen and obey that when we get home, that God, we would have all the riches that you want for us, that we wouldn't squander them now, and that we would lead others to you and point others to you and help us to get through dry seasons, help us to be even keel, and help us really just to be simply obedient. God, you're just asking us to be simply obedient. That, Lord, when we haven't heard from you in a while, maybe it's because, Lord, that you've spoken something to us and we just haven't acted upon it yet. Or, or maybe you're just holding out that we might seek you a little bit more and you might show yourself faithful. So, God, uh, we thank you for that and we just ask that you would uh, just come soon. <laughs> that, God, we wouldn't be too much for walking left, but that you'd be here and we'd be with you for eternity. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.